the quantity of sentimental items can be overwhelming, especially if somebody's inherited a lot from their parents or grandparents. So it feels like you have a mountain in front of you to try to climb. And it, how do they do that? They don't know. I think a big part, and I think you, you ladies will agree with me, that any pile of stuff, whatever it is, whether it's photos or books or clothes, represents a pile of decisions not made. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the KonMari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified KonMari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Do you have boxes and boxes of printed photos, movies, slides, memorabilia that you don't know what to do with? Are you overwhelmed by a huge quantity of digital photos and videos you've collected on your computer, camera, tablets, and smartphones? Today, we're dedicating this episode of Spark Joy to one of the most highly anticipated and feared signature KonMari categories, sentimental items. Before we get started, we should remind you that the sentimental category is the absolute last category to declutter. It should be handled with care and only after you warm up by addressing clothing, books, paper, and miscellaneous items in that order. If you still have some tidying work to do, we suggest you head on back to Spark Joy Episode 1, Kanmari 101. If you've paused your Kanmari progress after addressing miscellaneous items, then this is the episode for you. Bonnie Shea joins us today to talk about managing our digital legacy. Bonnie is the founder and owner of Mariposa Photo Organizing, established in 2007. She's managed a photography business for over 20 years and is a certified member of the Association of Personal Photo Organizers. She currently curates family photo and video collections that are shareable, enjoyable, manageable, safe, and secure, both now and for generations to come. Welcome to Spark Joy, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. This is great. Welcome to Spark Joy, Bonnie. We're so glad you're here. So, Bonnie, let me ask you this. You've been doing this kind of work, not only traditional professional organizing, but also organizing photography for over 20 years. You must have seen some amazing changes in the digital technology landscape in all of that time. Tell us a little bit about some of the changes. And more importantly, how did you get started? So first of all, as you may consider yourselves, I consider myself having the organizing gene. I think I was genetically predisposed to making order out of disorder, whatever form it comes in. And so I do think scientific researchers will find an organizing gene someday. They just haven't found it yet. (laughs) So based on that, my former husband and I had a photography business together for over 20 years. He did a lot of different events. I ran the business and would edit all the photos to tell the stories of our clients' events. And when we went our separate ways, he kept the photography business and I needed to find a new profession to make my way. So at that juncture, I decided to become a general residential organizer as I loved cleaning up messes, so to speak, and helping people declutter and systematize their living spaces. Lo and behold, one of my very first clients and I discovered her closet filled with printed photos, DVDs, videotapes of all shapes and sizes, etc. So she asked me, could I help her with that? 
and it triggered a light bulb moment for me because between my natural inclination to organize, you know, and, and making things in order, uh, plus my 20, over 20 years of photographic experience, I was a perfect fit for curating a family photo and video collection. So I said, yes, of course, I would love to help you with this. And then shortly after that, I discovered the Association of Personal Photo Organizers. Yes, there is an association for the photo organizing industry. So I found my peeps and I dove in. So that's really was sort of the kickoff of my interest uh, and realizing that this was such a need that was unmet out there because people were overwhelmed. I think people at one point could handle the boxes and boxes of printed photos that they never did anything with because they could leave them in the closet and okay, we're fine. I think the tipping point was when the digital world came upon us and people started taking pictures more fast and furiously and getting so tied up in the technology and the change, like you said. I think that was the tipping point where people got really unsettled with their photo collections, both printed Mm -hmm. and digital, because it was a double mess, a printed mess and a digital mess that they had to deal with now. When you think about it, it's so interesting to think historically that, you know, taking photographs used to be kind of a big deal. You know, you had to get film, you had to have a camera, you know, and generally it was something that you did for a special occasion for the holidays or on a vacation. And even then you still accumulated tons of material, especially if, you know, you were doing some of your own home movies or or whatever, you know, there was just tons of stuff, but it was still kind of a special thing and it was expensive. And now I'm just sitting here thinking that, I don't think a day has gone by in the last several years when I have not taken at least one, maybe a hundred photographs on my phone for whatever reason, almost every day. You know, it's just kind of a thing that people do now. So, I mean, just the mass quantity of images has just become really staggering when you think about it. Yeah, I like that perspective, Karen. And I think especially you just made me realize that we used to take pictures of events and family and maybe kids growing up. But think of all the other ways we take photos now. We go shopping and we take a picture of something that we want to show somebody. Take a picture of our breakfast at a fancy restaurant, right? And so we've just added so many categories. My nail polish color. I just took a picture of that today. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd remember when I go back. Right. Right. And it all accumulates. Mm. It's clutter. And the interesting thing about this type of clutter is it can hide really easily because we have so much access to digital storage and digital space. It seems almost unlimited. Maybe you can tell us why it's so important for us to shift our attention to that accumulation of digital content. I'll just share with you a very basic need and then we'll get into some bigger needs. How often have people gotten to their family's Christmas celebration or their son's soccer game? And they go to take a picture on their phone and it says out of storage space. What do you do? You're, you're in the moment. You want to take a picture or a video and you don't have the space. So that's a very acute, very immediate need. But people aren't thinking about that ahead of time sometimes. So that's part of what we try to train people is to be proactive so that you always have, you know, a charged battery and you have, you know, space on your phone. But to look at the larger piece of it, Kristen, a big part of what my colleagues and I share with our clients is we like to focus on quality over quantity. And we're getting into a world right now where the quantity has just grown so greatly. And so we really want to impress upon people that it's overwhelming to have 20,000 pictures on your computer. You're not Mm -hmm. enjoying them. 
you're not sharing them. You're not managing them because it's such a huge quantity and it's so overwhelming. And so we really try to come back to saying, let's look at the best of the best that tells your story and focus on that and keep it more manageable with a maintenance program, of course. It's not a one-time deal. You can't just organize it just like all the rest of the categories, right? It's an ongoing mm-hmm. thing because you're still going to buy clothes. You're still going to buy books. You got to have maintenance programs to go forward. So I think that's a big emphasis that we share with people that the satisfaction of a photo collection is much higher when it's a manageable amount and something that you can really get your hands around and enjoy and appreciate. I love that you touched on maintenance. I definitely want to loop back to that because that's something that comes up when we think about KonMari tidying and transitioning from ending a KonMari tidying event and to the space where you're really adopting this as a lifestyle. And like you said, there are certain categories that do revolve and some can be fixed by choice. If you decide you don't want to buy any more clothes for the year, you can kind of hedge that. But it's unlikely that we're just going to stop taking pictures it's all about you know having a plan in place. And it's interesting that you also mentioned, in addition to maintenance, avoidance. My clients get to a place where they are almost done with the entire process. And all of a sudden, they put off or delay our last session when it comes to the sentimental category. And I always find it so interesting. Like, why is there such a big pause between miscellaneous and sentimental I have some ideas of maybe why, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on why we treat this category in this way. Absolutely. I have some good ideas about that. To me, the sentimental category, if you don't fix it, if you don't organize it, declutter it, it typically doesn't get in the way of daily living. Yes, it might take up space where you are, but it's not a fatal kind of area. Whereas if your closet is totally disorganized and your clothes are all over the place, you can't get dressed in the morning. It gets in the way of your daily living. So I think the sentimental category, maybe people can sort of say, you know, I'll limp along. It's not as critical to my daily life. So that's one. Another thing I think is that the quantity of sentimental items can be overwhelming, especially if somebody's inherited a lot from their parents or grandparents. So it feels like you have a mountain in front of you to try to climb. How do they do that? They don't know. And I think you ladies will agree with me that Any pile of stuff, whatever it is, whether it's photos or books or clothes, represents a pile of decisions not made. (laughs) And I tell that to my clients, you know, when I was in the general organizing world, I don't say that critically. I'm not telling you that you are a bad decision maker or, you know, you just don't know how to do it. It's that they don't have the choices, the decision tree set up to be able to make the decisions. And I think that for sentimental items, it's a very gray area clothes, you can say, well, if that doesn't fit you, if it's the wrong size, that might be a pretty clear indication we should let it go. In the sentimental category, it's a very gray area and very subjective. So I think people get stumped in the decision-making part because there really aren't any guidelines. I also want to bring up the idea that reviewing sentimental items can be very bittersweet. You may see photos of loved ones who have passed away. Uh, You may see items from a marriage that ended. You might feel bittersweet to see your kids at a young age when now they're out of the house and have kids of their own. So I think, you know, as human beings, we sometimes can put off entering a bittersweet type of scenario. We don't want to be sad. And then lastly, I think people have a hard time letting go of sentimental items because they're sentimental. They either were given to them by somebody else 
Uh, maybe it's an art project made by their child and they just can't let it go. And on top of that with photos, and I've heard this a lot, there may be some superstition or obstacles to throwing out a photo of somebody. Mm-hmm. And so they avoid the category because they don't want to have to address that concern. So I think all those reasons weave into a, a hard category to address. So what I hear you saying is really, it's a multi-focused problem. It's not only that there's so many kind of emotions tied up in it, the sentimental aspects of it. And as you were speaking, I was thinking of clients who have photos of, you know, multiple photos of relatives that are no longer with us. And there's just such a hesitancy, no matter how many of those photos they may have, photos that aren't even that good or that clear, they still feel really uncomfortable letting those go. And then there's this idea I feel a lot of clients struggle with, and that's this idea that I can see that these 50 photos of this one Thanksgiving dinner that we had in 1992 might not be that big of a deal, but maybe my kids will want them. Or maybe there's somebody else in a family that's going to want them. So there's a big struggle with making the decision. And then you combine all of that with the fact that there's just so much of it. So there's really, it's not only about it being a sentimental issue, but it's also just a quantity issue, which I think makes it even more complicated for people. How do you suggest somebody would begin to even take a look at that? How do people get started when it comes to being more thoughtful about the kinds of photos that they want to keep? So like I mentioned, to me, the overarching focus is to say, let's focus on quality over quantity, just sort of set the stage with whatever they undertake in terms of organizing. The more you can edit and choose the best of the best, the more satisfying your collection will be. So that's number one. Number two, I often suggest, and and maybe you do this in your work too, have them pick what they think might be the easiest or what's getting in the way of their life is the most right now. What's really getting in the way in their life is the digital process because that's their current photo taking premise, right? Mm-hmm, We're not mm-hmm. printing photos so much. So you're not really adding to your printed mess, quote unquote. You're adding to your digital mess. So I often tell people that that may give them the most relief if they choose their digital mess to deal with because that maybe they hit that every day when they go to take photos or try to find a photo, for instance, right? How many times somebody's tried to find a photo that they want to share with somebody, they open up their phone and they just can't find it because it's overwhelming how many photos they have. Try to start with something easy. And I I guess let me throw out one idea as a starting point. I often tell people you basically have to start with centralizing your collection. And this can go with printed or with digital. But let's talk about digital. We want to centralize it. So you want to think of everywhere you have digital photos. Sort of take an inventory. You might have them on your phone, on your computer. You might have them on various cloud services like a Shutterfly or a Flickr. You might have external hard drives that you've used. You might have old computers that you don't use anymore, but you still have photos on. You might have floppy disks with photos on them. (laughs) Thumb drives, DVDs, I could go on and on, but there's just a gazillion places that you might have digital photos. And so to me, step number one is to try to gather them together because you can't really manage something you don't know where they're hiding, right? So that's number one. And it's similar, I think, to the rest of your categories, right? You centralize everything of the the same category. So it's very parallel to what you both practice. 
And then you want to gather them together, put them on one device, typically a hard drive or your computer. And then we talk about looking at duplicates because oftentimes people have duplicates that you want to edit out so that we only have one copy of each photo. So those are the first couple big steps to take to try to get your digital collection under control. I really like those ideas. Like you said, they are really in parallel with Kunmari. The first idea about pulling everything together and creating that inventory, that's a digital manifestation of a pile like we would for clothing or taking everything out of the closet. I know I've tried to do that for myself when I was doing a workshop on digital decluttering. I thought about all the different places where digital clutter could be well beyond like your email or your Dropbox or like really obvious things, places like bookmarks or old cameras that you don't use anymore, like their SD cards or other antiquated uh, technology or cloud storage, things like that. It's it's interesting how it can hide. It's good to bring it out of the closet, so to speak, and Mm -hmm. pile it up and centralize it. Like you said, I love that strategy. I also like the strategy you mentioned of attacking what's in the way, what is like most obvious in terms of the first subcategory of sentimental to address. Sentimental is the last category. So you can you know, choose whatever subcategory of things works for you. So if you want to start on something that's easier, you can. I love your suggestion of tackling something that's immediately in your way first to kind of start to create momentum around addressing everything else. Those are great tips. Yeah, exactly. A few ideas I have for memorabilia is, to me, it's not an all or nothing category. We don't either keep it all or throw it away. Mm-hmm. It's about taking a sampling Take a sampling of the memorabilia or the artwork and choose your favorite pieces to save. Possibly try to put a boundary around how much you will save. So like, let's say you have three kids and you and your spouse, maybe each person gets a box (laughs) and whatever can fit in that box, they get to keep just to try to put some kind of quantitative, you know, a boundary and then let go of everything else. So that's one approach. Another approach, believe it or not, and maybe you've done this, is for items that are really large and unwieldy or not your taste to have around, we can take a photo of them. Because Mm -hmm. ultimately, the category is called sentimental. It's because it's sentimental to us and you want to capture the memory of it, the sentimentality of it, or remind you of the person who made it or gave it to you. That's really the essence of it. We don't necessarily want the item, but you want to remember the sentimentality of it. So taking a picture of it does the trick. And you could either print a photo book out of these photographs that you have something, or just to have them digitally can be very satisfying too. And just to let you know, Bonnie, that tip is Marie Kondo approved. Yes. Uh, In her book, Spark Joy, she does mention that. And in a couple of articles I've seen, she says that it's a great tip too if you're having issues with letting go and taking a picture of whatever you're you're troubled by, because really you're just trying to hold on to the memory and you're making sure that you don't forget that moment and you don't necessarily need the object there to remind you of that. And I love how also have you mentioned boundaries, because in the case of organizing physical things in a home, there's clear boundaries. There's only so much house that you have. But in the digital space, you could really feel like you have no boundaries. So how do you even begin to shape your criteria? So I like how you mentioned, you know, getting rid of duplicates or getting rid of pictures that aren't flattering or trying to build on that. Like start with what sparked joy, but then break that down even further. Right. And 
thought when I was thinking of doing this podcast with you both, I was thinking we want to spark joy and so much what happens when clients come to me, they're not sparking joy, they're sparking dread, they're sparking mm-hmm. overwhelm, they're sparking frustration with their photo collection, digital or printed. And so it's all about getting them back to that sparking joy. And I, I'm right with you on that. And I think for if you know, if someone's hesitant about this idea that, well, maybe if I take a photograph of this item, I can let it go. Just give it a try. I mean, I've worked with so many clients who've lugged things that they don't really care that much about, but there's some sentimental purpose to it. They've taken it from home to home, across the country, all over the place, and you know, kept it in storage or or whatever. And as soon as they took a photo of it, they were perfectly okay with letting it go. So I would suggest, just as you're saying, that maybe just trying that, just see how it feels to take a photo of something and f- see if your feeling about the object changes once you have documented it. Because I do think for a lot of people, that can be a really powerful thing. Yeah, that's a good suggestion. So then about this idea of having media that are no longer easily viewable, whether it's the 35 millimeter films or, you know, whatever the formats were, all of those home movies that our parents or grandparents took in like the 60s and 70s, or even some of the more recent ones that just aren't easily digestible. What are some of the recommendations that you have for how to deal with those things or how to get those into something that's more contemporary? Well, there are many solutions. We have vendors and service providers all over the country that will digitize your variety of formats. So whether it's taking a printed photo and scanning it into a JPEG file, for instance, or whether it's a Super 8 or 8 millimeter movie that your parents took back in the 60s, that can be converted. Maybe you have VHS tapes, maybe you have beta tapes, mini DVD tapes. Those can all be converted into digital file formats, you know, whether they're MP3s, MP4s, you name it. Some people are even taking audio cassettes. In fact, I just found an audio cassette that I had converted from a reel-to-reel tape of my parents' surprise 17th wedding anniversary. <laughs> and wow. I just had it reconverted. Even though I had it converted from reel to reel, I barely have a cassette player anymore. So I had that converted mm-hmm. to an MP3 and I was able to email it to my sisters. It was like phenomenal. What a gift. Here, I'm getting all excited because this is really where the good stuff comes in. So every format can be converted in some way or another to a current format. Typically, these formats are, they work on PCs or Macs. And the key is, like we already mentioned the idea of maintenance, the key is you want to keep those maintained over the decades because, as we know, formats change. Mm-hmm. Um, we're hoping JPEGs will always be around, but you got to make sure that you're in a current format that's viewable. That said, ladies, we sort of laugh in our industry that printed photos are always viewable, You don't need special technology. All you need is maybe a pair of reading glasses if your (laughs) eyes are a little older than they were before. But they are a form of backup. They are a real tangible form of your photographic memories. Even if we go digital on all these things, to still print and still enjoy that format because it'll always be viewable no matter what. Well, that's interesting that you mentioned that because when we talk about this idea of digital clutter, and we recently discussed this with Saya Hellman in episode 54 of Spark Joy, we discussed how to cut down on your digital clutter. 
though, once we've done this with our photographs and once we have decided which ones we want to print and which ones we want to preserve and pass along, how do you suggest people manage their photos so that they spark the most joy and that they are able to not only access them for their own enjoyment, but also are able to share those with family and their friends? There's basically two ways to organize. One is chronologically and one is by topic, by theme. I tend to go with the chronology because I think as human beings, we just appreciate growth and we appreciate the passage of time. You know, your daughter is born and you see her grow up through 18. You see garden uh, at the springtime and you see it grow into, you know, a full-blown garden by August. So I think we just, as human beings, naturally gravitate towards that. It's simple. And especially in the digital world, things are automatically dated if we take a picture with our phone. So it's easy to harness the power of the computer to sort things chronologically or to access things chronologically. So I think that's really helpful. In our day and age, we now have other ways of accessing our photos that does additionally paralyze people because a digital collection, you can add tags and keywords. And now with facial recognition and like with Apple, for instance, they have faces and Google Photos does this too. Try to find all the pictures of Karen or Kristen. And so there's a lot of different ways you can access. And so I suggest to people similar to any filing system, think about your photos as a filing system. And it's not so much where you want to file things, but how you think you will want to access those photos later. And then you want to organize them according to those needs. So for instance, let's say you know you're going to want to make a video montage of your daughter's 18th birthday, for instance. Well, if you know you want to be doing that 10 years down the road, you're going to want to be organizing your photos or tagging them in a certain way that's going to be conducive to putting together a montage years down the road. If your family does a phenomenal Christmas celebration and that's just a big deal in your family, well, you probably are going to want to highlight your Christmas photos so that maybe you'll do a photo book of Christmas through the years. So it sort of depends on how you want to use your photos and how you might want to access them that should drive some of your decisions about how to organize. I really like those suggestions because it really gets to what is your intent. And that's often what I ask my clients when we get to this category. What is your intent in keeping it? Are you keeping it so you can scan these greeting cards, you know, 10 years from now and get a little chuckle? Or are you planning on you know, passing particular items down to the next generation what is the intent? In episode 21 of Spark Joy, we discussed actually the art of Swedish death cleaning. That episode gets at that uncomfortable discussion that we all have to kind of have in our mind. How are we going to really focus on legacy management? What are we leaving behind? How are we making things easier by dealing with this sentimental category now for you know people who are going to one day run across these things when you might not be there to represent them. So I'm curious if you run across that as well in your own line of work. So I'm finding a couple common themes why people hire me and that we curate their family photo collection. One is maybe they inherited their parents' collection and it was a big mess. Mm -hmm. And so much they feel has been lost in terms of telling the stories because they have all these pictures of people they don't know because they didn't have the opportunity to ask their parents about the stories. So my clients are wanting to avoid repeating that with their children. 
So they're very motivated to make sure that they preserve the memories and not preserve the mess kind of thing. So one client, for instance, they have four daughters, four grown daughters, 10 grandchildren. And what we did for last Christmas is after we curated the whole family photo collection is we gave an external hard drive to each of the four daughters with the whole curated photo collection, videos and photos. And it was like the best present they could have ever gotten. They're still ooing and eyeing over them. They loved it in the moment. It created more conversation, more storytelling. And now the parents, they're not at the end of their lives. They still have lots of life to live, but they can feel comforted that they've transferred and they've communicated to their girls the story of their childhood and the story of their lives together as a nuclear family. I find another, and this is a personal reason for me too, is genealogy. Mm. A lot of people are interested in genealogy, especially with the proliferation of DNA testing through Ancestry.com and 23andMe, just for, you know, starters. And photos go hand in hand because you're starting to learn more people who are in your family tree and you're wanting to know more about stories. And what better gift than to have photos of your ancestors and photos of your current family available to you to sort of build that picture and build that story in the history of your family tree. It's like a treasure hunt, visually <laughs> and genetically, so to speak. And I don't think you can ever underestimate just how valuable those things can be. As you were speaking, I was thinking that I was reminded that a cousin of ours recently showed us on the computer because she had had it put into a viewable format, an old movie of my grandfather in full military uniform. He must have been 19 or 20 with my grandmother, who was a year or two younger, and he was getting ready to be shipped off to France during World War II. And this is something that we had never seen before, and it was just absolutely amazing. And she lives and she lives very far away from any of us. So the chances of us having an opportunity to see this were really slim. So it was really super meaningful and, you know, and very special. And so I, I agree that these things are, are really important. But we have to be able to see them. You know, we have to be able to find them and, and treat them as the special objects that they are. Right. And you brought up a good point, Karen, that I like to suggest to people when they're stuck and they don't know where to start. I already gave you a couple good starting points, but I mm. find when people have movies or videos that they obviously can't watch because they don't have the equipment on which to watch them anymore, I suggest that that's a great place to start is just take a few of the movies or a few of the videos that you have and have them converted. Because then you see this footage like you just referred to that maybe you never saw or hadn't seen in so long. And what a gift. So just take a few, just do a sampling because, you know, sometimes it gets expensive if you have a big quantity. So just do a little sampling and just see what a gift that is for your family and what content that you're going to reconnect with. Well, I don't know about you, Karen, but I feel way more prepared to revisit my sentimental items now Absolutely. that Bonnie's been on. I have tons of ideas because I do have some files that need to be loved on a little bit. Also, some legacy computers as well uh, mm -hmm. that probably have trapped some of, you know, my really valuable photos and videos. Do you have any suggestions for that? Things like an old laptop or even things like photo negatives or those uh, disposable cameras, you know, these things that are so antiquated or maybe we can't even barely turn the computer on to, to grab the information. Do you have any suggestions around those type of issues that may come up with this category? Absolutely. 
So, you know, the beauty of our day and age is that even though things are antiquated or out of date, there are still providers in our country, in our bigger cities typically, that take a lot of these antiquated formats and work with them and give you something that will work. Sometimes people have negatives, like you mentioned, and those can be scanned as well and turned into positive uh, images to be able to use on your computer, to JPEGs. So that's a possibility. Disposable cameras, you'll still be able to find labs that will develop those. So once again, sometimes if they haven't been kept in great climate-controlled areas, maybe they're going to be compromised. So maybe if you have a handful of them, maybe test one and see how it comes out. That's a possibility. Although the quality of those weren't typically good, but sometimes some quality is better than none of an event. So that's possible. I encourage you to start locally in finding service providers that can do some of this digitizing for you. These are your precious memories that are priceless and irreplaceable. So I really use as a last resort to ship your items anywhere. So if you can walk into a storefront in your local city or neighborhood, that's ideal. If you need suggestions of places to go in your immediate area, I can suggest going to the Association of Personal Photo Organizing website, which is appo.org. That's A-P-P-O.org. And we have partners around the country that provide some of these services. So you know that they're sanctioned and they're not going to ship your stuff to a overseas location and risk losing. So I just want to put that whole caution as that I really would help that you could shop locally for this so that you don't put your memories at risk. That's a great tip. And September is actually Save Your Photos Month, correct? It is. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. (laughs) This is perfect timing. (laughs) It is. It's like back to school, back to get working on your photos. Yes. As an association, we've done a lot of work of pulling content together, tips and tricks and techniques to help people who want to get their photos under control and shareable and manageable. So um, another place to go for resources is saveyourphotos.org, which is put up by EPO, but it's a separate website and there's lots of educational material. And as long as you sign up by September 30th for our photo summit, you can have Boku options and videos and checklists, etc. to use to get some help for your photo organizing challenges. Fantastic. Well, here on SparkJoy, before we let our professional organizers go, we always like to ask what your favorite tidying tip is. My favorite tidying tip is to set a timer because I find oftentimes when we try to tidy something up, we get overwhelmed because we think it's going to take hours or it's just so monumental. So if you set a timer, which sort of sets up a little bit of a game because you're going to try to beat the clock and you have a boundary, it helps. It sort of gets your adrenaline going. So whether you set it for five minutes or 20 minutes, it gives you a sense of urgency and you sort of say, how much can I accomplish in this 10-minute process? And then celebrate at the end. We're never too old to not like to play a game and have fun with something. Yes, I definitely agree with that. We're all about fun here at Spark Joy. 
Thank you for sharing that one. And we also want to ask you at this very moment, what sparks the most joy in your life? It's my dog. Ah. <laughs> Every morning when he wakes me up at 5.15 because he wants breakfast <laughs> and he starts his happy dance, turning circles, prancing around and clicky clacking his toenails on my wood floor. You know, and he's doing this for a third of a cup of dry kibble. If he can, if that dry kibble can spark such joy in his life, you know, it gives us a little bit of a peek into what a simple pleasure can do for somebody. So he sparks joy in me every morning when I feed him breakfast. Oh, I love that. Someone else has a dog that sounds just as energetic as mine. (laughs) It's so interesting. Just the little things in their life they get so excited about. Merely like, you know, waking up in the morning. It just teaches you to really appreciate every moment in life. I love dogs and pets and animals. So love that. (laughs) And I have to share with you that, you know, I did not have dogs or pets forever as an adult because I didn't want the mess they created and I didn't want all that. And so when we finally got a dog, because I really needed my daughter to have a dog, I looked in my bedroom one day and there was a bone in one corner and a ball in another and something else, a rope in another corner. And I looked around and I said, I am so happy to have this mess in my house. (laughs) And it was finally, I'd reached that balance between wanting a tidy space to live in, to have peace and calm, but also to allow a controlled mess because that's the joy that comes in life when you have that kind of family member as a dog. So it was a good professional realization that I could balance tidy and mess and be happy. Well, I think that's such a great way to kind of end the podcast because really that's what organizing is all about. It's really getting things in order so that you can enjoy those simple things in life. So along those lines, do you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? Well, I'm going to suggest that everybody pay attention in our digital world to backing up. We highly suggest backing up your digitals, but specifically your photos. And I'm going to give you a quick rule of thumb that we suggest for backup. And it's called a 3-2-1 system. What that means is three copies of a backup, so three different backups with at least two different kinds of backups and at least one off-site. So we want three copies, two different types of backup, one off-site, which could be, you know, like in a safety deposit box or at your office or in the cloud. And it just gives you a variety of insurance policies, essentially, so that if one should break down or malfunction, you still have other options and that you can sleep well at night knowing your photos and the rest of your digital collection are safe and sound and protected. Thank you so much for joining us here on Spark Joy, Bonnie. We learned so much. My pleasure. Bonnie can be found at mariposaphotoorganizing.com. She's on Facebook at Mariposa Photo Organizing and on Twitter at Bonnie, that's B. O-N-N-I-E-H-S-H-A-Y. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning, tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. You can find us at sparkjoypodcast.com and click Ask Spark Joy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show. While you're there, sign up to join our Spark Joy podcast community and get notified when each episode airs. You can also join the Spark Joy podcast community on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. 
at the handle at SparkJoyPodcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with Conmari Media Incorporated. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Conmari Media Incorporated or the Conmari Consultant Community.